the best uh, email I received in my life is uh, from one Japanese. He buy my cello and he write me, your cello give me the, the strong for to live. Mi dà la forza di vivere. The power for, of living. And this is beautiful, incredible. Probably this person is sick, probably, and the cello help. And this for me is very good satisfaction. Welcome to Rosin the Bow, an audio journey through the world of the violin family. I'm Joe McHugh, and in the spring of 2015, my wife Paul and I traveled to Italy and spent several days in Cremona, the fabled city where Antonio Stradivari and Giuseppe Guarneri once lived and worked. We then traveled south to Tuscany and the city of Florence to interview a family of violin makers. Paolo Vittori is the patriarch of the family. He was born in 1945 and learned the art of violin making from his father. Paolo's sons, Dario and Lapo, and his daughter, Sofia, are also talented violin makers, and they work together as a family in the same shop. We first met with Paolo and Dario for the interview at their shop, which is just down the street from the San Marco Art Museum and the University of Florence. Sofia Vittori joined us later as we continue the interview. First, we want to thank Joe and Paula to be here in Florence in our workshop and for this, I hope, beautiful interview. And well, we are in Florence, that's our workshop, Paolo Vettori and Figli, and we are the third generation of value makers here in Florence. My grandfather, just uh, let's say eight years ago, started in 1935 this beautiful work which is uh, value making, uh, which is our word, basically. We, we, call, we are called uh, luthier in French, liutaio in Italiano, because it's related to, and the word relates to the luth, which is a, a Middle East instrument, uh, um, plucked instruments like a guitar, but with a, a broken neck, but it's nothing what we are building right now as violin maker. My grandfather, he started, uh, he was born like a, a violinist, a viola player, a band conductor, and in this little, little tiny village in the, mid in the middle of the Apennine, which are the mountain between uh, Florence and Bologna, so north of here. Um, he was the chef of the musical uh, activity in, the, in his town, uh, because uh, uh, he was the one who was uh, conducting the two bands, an orchestra and uh, a wind uh, instruments band. And uh, that's how he started his interest in, uh, in music first and then in violin making, because he wanted to know how his violin was built. He just opened the violin and uh, built it with his uh, coping, what he had uh, on his own violin. And once he had finished, he was not happy at all and he burned that violin. So we only have our second violin here in collection. <laughs> That he made. That he made. And uh, my father, before to make violin, when he was young, every the, the friend is a live in a monastery. He's a compositor, and uh, my father liked the music, and he said, "You come in the monastery with me, and uh, you study music in in a, in a, in a convento in a monastery." Yeah. 
And uh, my father, I have uh, 22, 23 years, he's gone this place. And uh, the situation is more different because the, uh, he make the, the proof to be, to be uh, patient, like dis discipline. Every hour, every hour, the, the, the door is a remember brother, you dead. You remember every hour dead. And you uh, have to die. Yeah, dead more time. Yes. At the, night, at night. And, and he was up, waking up. Yes, <laughs> after one month, I said, no, I'm not dead here. Tomorrow I bring the bus and return my home. <laughs> And this is the, the the joke is my father and uh, he by he begin to make violin with uh, this truth one violin open and look the 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 measure the the, the ribs uh, not very German violin because he, he, this time not have a publication not have a book not have internet not have nothing because they, they, they have only one book is the name Angeloni writer but it's more more mathematic more scientific and my father don't understand this uh, this problem this complicated he preferred to work by hand and he began to make violin and uh, now his violin is very good and when I look this violin I think it's possible in the mountain no with other person nobody teach he make violin very very beautiful I think it was a very predisposition for this work. In, in 1935. And every day, the, every day embargo, embargo. We, we, after the 36, we have embargo. We cannot sell the instrument in, in, in America, in, in Switzerland, not no possible to export. And they also not find the good the, the, for the McLaka, because they don't import the lacca from uh, Asia. And uh, my father, the wood, it's a, it's a big problem. This, uh, and uh, in the in the '45, when the, the war is finishing, they, they change the world because of the American soldier buy violin to my father. I changed the violin with five kilo coffee for one violin. My father going Florence, and uh, my father with one kilo coffee take one another violin from another violin maker and bring home because in my village for eight months the Americans stay stay in um, stop it because the line the, the line uh, the war is stopped for eight months and my father sell the violin to america back with uh, business and now is uh, in Teresio in option in uh, every one violin of this ah. yes they, he making a 38 a wonderful story of uh, time lapse capture the instruments at, at the end they are uh, they, they are made out of wood, they sound so they can transmit emotion, but they also tell a story, um, a different story. And then if you know the maker and there, oh, there's somebody in the family who just uh, continued the tradition and can tell you the story about this instrument, then it's uh, much, much uh, nicer to just, it's not just uh, an object made in 38, it has a story behind it. Mm. And um, Was the war difficult for him? Yes, very, very difficult. He was prisoner of the Germany in um, uh, and he have a long hair, long hair because he was a violinist. And uh, when he was in uh, with the Germany, uh, when uh, make one no good work, call him. You come here, and uh, because he have a long hair, is a strange man. Was different from uh, the others. From the different from that. And my father thinks it's dangerous because. Uh, when want to kill one like me, <laughs> and he cut the, the hair. <laughs> he want to be same other prisoner. Yeah, and uh, at the point we have the 
the, the, the house is a district and they lost 14 violin. 14 violin is district because the bomb is come from, uh, from uh, because of the... the... When the war just passed over Firenzuola, this tiny village, because Firenzuola was on the other side of the Gothic line. The Gothic line was a line uh, along the Apennine. Stopping the the Allies, from, uh, the, the Americans and the, all the other troops from the south to the north to go into the Pianura Padana, Milano, and then uh, the, the North Germany, and so the um, the, the Americans they just uh, decide to break the line, break this line where the village of my grandfather was, you know, and um, and my grandfather he had already three children, and uh, with the wife obviously and. Uh, and he was a, an artist and he was not working, uh, he was making violin uh, and, and he was not working on the defense. So, uh, let's say all the people were, were ready to, to, the, to the bombing that they knew that would happen from the Americans they, because they, they, would, they, they, they actually destroyed all the village uh, uh, behind the Gothic line uh, in order to, to have a safe access for their troops. No? Um, and so the the, the, pe the peasants, the, all the they knew about that one, and they, they were constructing uh, re refugees uh, outside the, the, the this small village. And and his his father, my grandfather, he was not working uh, with the herd. He was not a contadino, say a farmer, a farmer. No, farmer. he was a, an artist. No, and so when uh, when uh, actually the, the bombing arrived and they destroyed the village, he has to go out. He was he was actually. The the story it's it's, uh, it's in his tra in the tragedy it's funny because uh, the German uh, who were left in this tiny village they went house to house to say to the people let's go away because the the the, the allies are coming and they're gonna bomb everything no so people went away from the from the village and his father he said no no this is a trick they're gonna bring us to Germany. I'm ill, I'm not moving from uh, the house. So he just went on, under the bed, under the blankets. Uh, the German arrived and said, well, move, uh, Dari, because here they're gonna bomb everything. He said, no, no, I'm ill, my family stays here, I don't, I don't go everywhere. And so they, were, they, were, they left, obviously, everybody left. Uh, and then uh, the little son went out, they said, oh, daddy, there's no one in the city where the war is over, no? And, uh, and once he was out, he saw the, the, the airplanes arriving uh, and they just had in time to go inside uh, this huge wall uh, of uh, Renaissance wall so from the, from the 15th century um, that the city was surrounded. And uh, they went inside the, this, uh, this, this tower on the basement and uh, they leave uh, the, the bombing underneath uh, this, uh, this basement. And a house fall uh, over the uh, this uh, this old tower, no? So they closed the entrance, uh, and they were like buried underneath. Uh, and only the the little son were able to escape from uh, a crack that occurred in the in these uh, huge walls, uh, and called some uh, German soldier. We were there, so the German soldier helped uh, the family to get out uh, from uh, from this uh, the buried uh, the basement, uh, which was at the time buried. And so they, when they went out, they saw the, there's no longer Firenzuola, it was all uh, disappearing, it was all bombed. The, only the, the, the bell tower was left uh, standing. So they walk uh, uh, towards south, uh, so actually towards the ally, they were coming uh, to reach the, the, um, the tiny village, the three, four houses, villages where they were born and where they had uh, relatives. Uh, and uh, on the way to the, going towards south, there were the Americans' flights who were, um, uh, an American airplane who were um, 
actually with a mitraillatita. So they were uh, hiding in bushes and there were all uh, uh, smokes coming out from uh, the, the hay because the Germans were burning uh, the big uh, pieces of hay in order to get fume uh, from their retreat now so they, could, they couldn't be shot uh, during the retreat. Uh, so they reached this village and they reached the refugee which was uh, which my grandfather did not build uh, and so he was uh, like four days. Oh, eight days. Eight days uh, was uh, standing uh, out, out uh, on the refugee because he was not allowed by the other people to sit down no? because he didn't work at the and, building. Uh, and after eight, eight days you know, have a food because the Germany is a stolen, stolen. The food of the people entering the, in the, the bunker stolen and have a food and I said well he, he did they eat the, the grass and they, with the, with the four, four children four children and mother and they walk for, for, to the village and when he's arrived he see the, the first American but he thinks it's a German because he never see the, the, Amer- the, the America is the first time and this American said go away go away go away because the Germany is in the back he don't understand why and the and the American come come and when see this baby, give the chocolate, and my sister never see my never see the chocolate before because the embargo no ever chocolate and every hungry chocolate orange, and cigarette and uh, give every soldier give it the food, and this is a very good very good because uh, many eight day no eat. The tradition no privilege okay. Ah, because the Americans, they are very... My father is very fond of the Americans because they were fitted with uh, the food uh, of the Americans. And uh, they they always give uh, food to everybody, uh, to the children, everybody. So he's, How old were you? I born in 45. Yes, I, I have the same name as my brothers. He's dead in the war. In a difterite, difterite. Yeah. And when the, when the bombing did occur, that's when the uh, the violins were lost. Uh, yes, yes, lost fourteen violin, also one old violin kioki. Yes, the the friend bring for to repair, and this the violin is destroyed. And, uh, and we have a scroll left. Yes, scroll. A tiny piece of scroll, beautiful. Uh, one day, uh, my friend John Terry have one cello. Nobody know who this cello make, no. And I remember the kioki. Because the same lacca, the ribs, the and say, oh, this is a kioki. Nobody says a kioki. Yeah, this is a kioki. And uh, I bring the the lack, the scroll, and the ultraviolet, the lacca is the same, but it's a kioki. And now it's a kioki. He knows this fella because I, I remember the, the kioki under the bomb, the, the, the lacca, the work, the have a double double perfling. Double perfling the kioki. Also the sides was big. The Kyoki violin normally is a big size. Is a no no in the marketing now is good price because but the cello is very very beautiful. You were born in in forty five. Forty five, yes. And when did you decide that this was work you wanted to do as well? Your your father continued to make violins. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, and uh, we we. In this time, we have uh, the the order for London from one Mister 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 Paul. Uh, I don't know, I don't remember the last name. He's ordered to my father twelve instruments a year 
and uh, all family work for this because uh, we don't have a machine no, have a, and uh, we cut the trees in the in the forest for to have uh, the wood because uh, the wood was very expensive in this time more expensive of now and uh, all family work my mother my father my sister helped my father to for to make this instrument in the 60s uh, because the, the the price for this instrument was uh, i remember 35 thousand lire for one violin and the salary is the same like like today one violin these people pay 1200 euro or dollars the same the price is very cheap but uh, to live to live and uh, i begin with my brother two brothers and one sister to help my father and uh, and i transmit my son same because who uh, <laughs> I work, the, 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 my son come in a workshop and play with wood, uh, a joke, and uh, like toys, make toys, make, uh, and, uh, and this normal is different uh, violin maker, yes. At the time he's making these violins right after the war, how does he deal with curing the wood long enough? That must have been, if you're cutting the wood and you've you got to dry it long enough to use, and that's difficult. In a, in a in a in a village, uh, in, uh, no have a, no, no have a leather for make shoes, and uh, the people uh, make the shoes use the leather hop in leather and the 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 back so. the sole uh, in wood, and my father he make it, have the, the tools for to make this, and they use the the poplar wood. For make this, and the people, every people come to my home, ask me the shoes, and my father for two, three years make the shoes with the violin. <laughs> About the storing of wood, it's uh, at that time there was no storing. Uh, also, you have to understand that, uh, uh, especially a spruce, uh, was uh, at that time was bought. Um, also in Florence at that time was bought in uh, sawmill. So the people who were selling wood for furniture, for, for everything. So the people in Florence, uh, we know stories about uh, this money maker Ferroni. He was going in this uh, uh, shop uh, where they were selling wood. And uh, the guy was just uh, putting uh, all these nice pieces, what he thought was nice uh, pieces of spruce on the wall just to show him. And uh, he was just suggesting Ferroni, oh, but I think this one is good. And Ferroni said, oh, I don't understand anything. <laughs> Uh, stuff <laughs> such as me thing uh, you're not a value maker and then also it's a science that a piece of spruce after one year lost uh, I think 95% of its humidity so it's enough after one year it's enough dry spruce obviously it's also the, when they do the endocrinology test of let's say Guadalajara Jesu it's also they found very 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 little difference between the time the tree was cut and the time the instrument was built what we do today, we work with very old wood. We have some wood, uh, like the uh, technology tested from the 17th century, and we, that's spruce. We have some old wood uh, from the stocks of my grandfather, especially maple, mostly maple, mostly um, Italian maple. And then uh, when we buy new wood, we store for 10 years, uh, 10, 15 years, because we we now can do it. We have the economically uh, power to do it, and also the the price of wood just uh, decrease uh, very much from uh, what the, what it was at that time. You you don't see 
very you saw very very little value with very very good wood in the say after the war because the wood was very expensive the nicest wood from balkany was coming through germany uh, through dealers and was very expensive and only poggi capiccioni the yeah. yeah, could afford it uh, and all the other makers were just wilting wood with what, what were, they were founding in a sawmill. I don't know if you can understand sawmill. And, and sometimes even uh, beams out of old houses? or Beams of old houses, they are made of light wood. So they're made out of poplar or uh, made out of spruce. You don't find beams of maple. So, so the maple was what was hard to find. Maple Good was maple. hard to find. So you can find maple because it was used by, make, by uh, furniture makers uh, to build... Uh, and I understand now that, uh, and this is sort of an aside, but that uh, Italian maple is almost gone. Is there much Italian maple? No, there is. There is Italian maple. And uh, as always in this world, uh, you can never know where things come from. No? Uh, that uh, comes from, from food. Uh, you don't know what you're what you eating because you don't know where it comes from. Uh, and same with wood. You, you may know if you go in some places and obviously you trust the people who sell it because, you know, he's cutting directly the wood. Uh, let's talk, let's say spruce, uh, it's, it comes from Italy because uh, it's uh, reasonably cheap wood. We have uh, a bunch of wood up in the mountain, uh, which uh, it's uh, very well grown and it's, uh, there's a regulation about uh, how it's grown, how it's cut. So the forest actually after the war are just increasing in Italy. It's not... Uh, we have a deforestation even uh, if we if we cut wood uh, the the forests are getting bigger and bigger in italy and that's and that's nice maple it's a different aspect because italian maple it's um can there, there, are, there are many different maple there there's the the acero campestre so which has very very small lift and it's very dense and it's reddish in color then we have the maple from from the mountain it's called acero di monte that's di different from the campestre. It grows bigger, it's bigger, has a bigger lift, uh, and it's much similar to the Bosnian maple. So also that one is, uh, let's say, when, when we have a piece of wood, uh, we can have an idea, but I don't think we can have a 100% uh, specifics, uh, sure, where it comes from. And, uh, and you're deciding when you're looking at this wood, maybe some of the wood will give a softer sound or mellower sound and you know there's a particular possible musician that's interested in an instrument and you'll you'll select the wood to match the need of the uh, player that's do you it. often make for players directly one order from uh, mr brost to virginia and uh, he wants uh, one violin uh, same that violin he sold same model same wood and, uh, and uh, I prepare uh, the violin uh, because he wants to one wood, uh, uh, old wood, the um, old uh, 200 years old, uh, because the people like the sound of this violin. He sold two violin and now want another. In one year, he sold three violin. And this is, uh, is good. And uh, probably the people speak of this violin. And uh, I offer another because uh, I have another model balestrieri. I send a photo, the, the, his look is nice. And he said, no, no, I think he, he wants Camilo Camilli, no change. And uh, we met Camilo Camilli in September. In the summer, this summer, uh, probably no make vacation, make Camilo Camilli. <laughs> Have you ever made a quartet using the different generations in your family? 
We made once, uh, although twice already, two quartets yeah. uh, made by members of our family. And one uh, was uh, the Amati Quartet. So uh, when it was the 500th anniversary of Amati in 2005, we made uh, a quartet and um, our four makers made four instruments. So my father made the cello after the cello, the king, it's called this cello, which is now in Vermillion uh, in South Dakota in the museum. And we, but we kind of uh, enlarged it to the original size and then reduced it to a more regular uh, uh, playable size, which is uh, now more accepted. Uh, but was wonderful, the proportions uh, are very beautiful. And then I made the viola, my brother and my sister, they made the two violins. And then we made uh, another quartet made after the, the Guarneri family quartet. So one, uh, Leandra Guarneri, then uh, Giuseppe, Giuseppe Guarneri, Filius Andrea, then uh, Guarneri from uh, Pietro from Venice, mm. Pietro from Mantova. Yes. And I think we missed the Gesù. The, the cello was from Filius Andrea. Well, I mix it up. Filius yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Andrea and the, the, the viola is uh, Pietro Guarneri da Venezia. Si, si, si. That was nice. And then the, 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 the nice thing uh, about quartet is not that you make a quartet, it's that you actually so sell it <laughs> to the same person. And that's, uh, I think it's more difficult than actually making it. When you made the quartet, you made two, did you ever get to hear them play it all together? I would think that would be a great experience. No, it was nice. I, I think my, my, my dad hear it uh, uh, because unfortunately they were not ready at the same. No, they were ready at the same time. Uh, we didn't. We 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 like to deal with a foreign customer. Let's say like this one. We have more connection outside Florence uh, and Italy than. Uh, uh, and so we heard it once in Singapore because the instruments are now in Singapore. And uh, they were especially, it was an event uh, organized for us. We were visiting uh, and they played those instruments there. And that was a uh, was nice, nice experience. Sometimes the people want to buy only the viola. No, I like this viola, but not possible because the quartet stay together. And uh, this is the problem for the, the dealer because the dealer want to sell all together. But the, 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 the musicist come one cello player, I like this cello, but he don't want to buy the viola to violin. And uh, this is a, but normally this, this is a quartet by the collector, collector for um, investment, I think. And uh, nice. And then they lend them to a quartet possibly that's going yeah, to play. Yeah. Uh, but they, they, they've bought them together collectively. Yeah, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, very good. Let's talk a little bit about how the family wound up coming now to Florence, because you're making violins yeah. in your hometown, yeah. Yeah. and this is where you're known, and when was the decision made to come to Florence, and what tradition of violin making had existed here in Florence? In, the, in the Florence, we have a... The, a Florence, we have it continued from from the, the Gabrielli Carcassi, and the, I mean... So never stop it like Cremona because in Cremona for 100 years no, nobody make violin because the people moving to Milano because in Milano Storioni moving Milano other and uh, Milano was more important and when uh, this, the school in in Cremona make a new school 
the teacher is come from Milano, like Ornati, the Garimberti, because uh, they, 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 in Cremona nobody make violin. And, uh, and now it's, Cremona is more important because they make good, uh, good the school is good. And um, the, the town invested more, more in, 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 uh, in uh, the culture. Because uh, Florence is a big town, the violin is important because uh, for the town we have a seven, eight violin maker in half a million people, this is not, nothing, no. but for Cremona, the, 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 is a, is a good, uh, good for the town, because also make the, in a world, the people speak of Cremona, because Cremona is Stradivari, everybody, but Firenze is Michelangelo, Leonardo, Uffizi, Palazzo Vecchio, is a, is a, so many, many, many other, but the, 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 the violin maker in Florence never stopped, never continued the tradition. Let us listen now to the Ancora Trio perform a piece by Brahms featuring Beatrice Holzer-Graf performing on a cello made by Paolo Vittori in 2013. Why don't you introduce yourself? We've just been joined by another violin maker here in the family, and tell us who you are. Yeah. Hello, I'm Sofia. 
and I'm the second daughter of Paolo, the second son daughter of Paolo. And I worked in the workshop since I was very little. And I started making varnish for the instruments when I was studying because I, I, I finished also my university study and conservatory study. So while I was studying, I was varnishing and not making all the violin from the beginning to the end. And then 10, day, 10 years ago, I started with my label to make instruments from the beginning to the end. But varnishing is still my favorite part of the violin making. Very complicated thing, varnish, in the world of the violin, isn't it? We've talked to a lot of violin makers about the varnish and how they make it and how they think about it. And uh, what have you learned about varnishing? Well, every time I start a new violin or a new cello viola, it's like I want to do better than what I did before. So I always, I always try to to make some something different. So it's never, never the same. So that's also why I like this part because it's really interesting and never annoying or boring. I mean, you always have to to try to do something more, and and every wood uh, gives different sh shadows with the varnish. So if you find I don't know like a way to do it, it it's not the same with another instrument. So it's really something you have to tie and, and see way by way. And, and how much impact does the varnish have on the sound, do you think? Oh, more than the varnish is the, the preparation of, of the wood that we do before the varnish. So that's really important. How we prepare the wood and then also how many, how much varnish you put on the instruments, if it's too less or too much. So it, for the sound, it's very important. The varnish is very important to the sound. So as you uh, as you varnish instruments, and then are you listening to them during that process? In other words, you you're just making a choice because you have to put on so many coats, and then it has to dry. Or yeah, or do you ever adjust it as you literally play the instrument? No, no. We look and we touch and we feel how much varnish we gave to the instrument. It's very antique. <laughs> and so. Uh, well, we have to go to here, the, the dynamics of working in families. It's family. It's got a lot of stuff that going on in family. <laughs> so how does it work? Do you find that you, you've learned how to work with each other and things you leave alone with someone or, you, or certain people are stronger in certain areas? Or do you find yourself getting in conflicts over design or a certain idea about how you should market the violins? Just give me a sense of what it's like to really be in a family rather than another shop where there would be maybe other people, but they're from other families and they deal, deal with things differently. I think that in the family you can be honest. I mean, if my brother or me, we do something that I don't like, my brother did something, I tell him. Maybe with somebody that it's not the family, you don't tell. You say, oh, nice, but maybe you don't like it. So we are very honest each other and that's how also we can go on and do better because if somebody tells that you're doing something wrong and then you see and you try to change it if nobody tells but most of the time they, they do <laughs> they do critiques when it's already done and you cannot change it no but that's also part of the family uh, say well you did wrong well, you should tell before but we should still change it for no? next time <laughs> for next time it's always like this no that's yeah, funny but we are really um, we are not alone so we that's why we we do better every time in america and i would think also here in europe for 
40 years, media, I think, has had a real interest in breeding a sort of distrust of one generation to the other. You see it in, in commercials and, and the whole system. And I think it's because if you don't need your father and you don't need your you know, that person, well, then you've got to buy all that stuff yourself. So it's kind of good for the system for selling a lot of things. We see this a lot in America. And I'm just curious how, you know, because the idea is, well, your, your parents don't know anything or that the generation before doesn't know anything. That's really a very common story in America now. You hear that in the media, a lot of the movies, especially fathers, are either not in the, in the movie, they just don't, you know, the woman lives alone, nothing said about what happened to the father, or the father's a buffoon, he's a kind of a, a simpleton, they make jokes of him. But we have very few very positive father images in general popular culture right now. It's very odd. And I've, I've done a lot of studying of that because I work with, a lot with uh, young people who are in the juvenile justice system who have gotten in trouble with the law. And um, many of them have no father or have very negative ideas of fathers. It's just somebody who's full of authority and you're not going to tell me what to do. And this is the good thing of, let's say, many people ask us, how, ask to my dad, how is it possible that you just uh, were able to you know, have your son working with you? I continue? don't push. So, I don't push. That's, no. That's my dad. I don't push. Like, I remember uh, for my personal experience, that I built my first instruments, uh, my cello, and it took me for, like forever, no? I was doing university at the time, so I was busy also studying. But um, I, I remember this one, the, like he was leaving me there in the bench. Yeah, you do like this one. Then I was doing alone. And when you work alone and you have somebody, maybe it's also a personality, you know, to really in, uh, follow you through all the, really all the steps, very, very accurate. And it's no, difficult. But I to think do. he's but always very positive. When you do something, oh, good, it's well, go on. So it's that, that's the way you have to... <laughs> You know, to somebody that tries to do something new, if you always say, no, you're wrong, and then maybe you just keep and go away. But he's very positive, so, and helps you, and so gives you the enthusiasm of this job. So that's, I think, the most important. And also, we always travel, so we always were together to see the, in this world. So, and my father was working at home when we were little, so we were I mean, wo wo playing in the ground, <laughs> So it, it's like we always breathe this air. Sawdust. <laughs> and also my son and Dario's son, they are always here in the afternoon. And my son, the bigger one, is four and a half. He was with us in Frankfurt at the music mess. He was the only child in all the music mess, in all the fair. And he was there all the days. And look how we work, how we do, we do with musicians and... And so I think it, it was an experience for him more than one year of school, these four days with us. What do you think is kind of unique in, in the style or the approach you take to the violins and cellos and violas you make? Because there's a lot of makers. And if you had to define what is the style coming out of your shop, what's its unique character? A style or more about like the sound of your some Sometimes... Uh, we well, when we sell instruments, uh, um, we sell because people try their sound and they really like it. And it's not that there's some louder than the other one. They they have a different. Um, I think different it's feeling. very rich of harmonic. 
our sound. It's very rich, a rich sound. So not only big sound, but has a lot of uh, harmonics. Overtones. Yes, yeah, overtones. In a way, you have to try to push it over with, a, with your bow to find out your sound in, in the instrument. And that's, a, uh, I think, a quality which is very well appreciated by good musicians. And it's, it's not that our instruments, a uh, uh, musician finds their sound just there and then it doesn't go any further or in any direction they want. Uh, they really can play into their sound, into the, the sound of the instrument and find uh, in their yeah. way their do own music. style, do music with it, yeah. They can really, when also when I try our instruments, what I feel is that they help you to make music, so to be free to express yourself with the instrument. The uh, more, more Asian musicists from Japan, China, uh, want uh, Stradivari and Guarneri, no other. And uh, when we show the Balestrieri, Camillo Camilli, Pietro Guarneri, Rogeri, and the people is a but when he try to play he like and buy but the the, the problem is the customer the customer no no play no 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 buy only the buy the, this stradivari okay i buy no stradivari no buy this uh, this cello i want stradivari only stradivari but when uh, the people come directly from japan here and try the instrument like uh, the story like a uh, grancino and the sound is good, probably better of Stradivari. And the return in Japan, the other musicists look, they listen to the sound, and they also want change the other instrument for, with the other model. But uh, this is, uh, we try. And uh, now, after many years, we are happy because the people in Asia understand not only Stradivari and Guarneri, but other violin let's say that it's good this uh, this uh, this tradition uh, about different models using different models it, it relates us to uh, to the story of violin making which was uh, very very strong uh, in florence uh, during the uh, just after the war maybe in, uh, in the 60s and 70s uh, uh, by this maker Igino Sderci, you know, uh, which we have a, a large collection of his of his drawings uh, and um, which was given by him, by the Bisiak family from Milano, by Carlo Bisiak. And we have a huge collection of uh, drawings of uh, back plates, uh, scroll, f-holes, uh, and by a variety of uh, makers, uh, which uh, the Bisiak family was able to open for restoration of just studying in Milano, and they just were giving to Iginos Derci here in Florence uh, to make copies, uh, to make uh, new violin and based on that model and um, and we are related since we have all this uh, collection we use it and um, we are open uh, to experimental with a new model my sister uh, just two years ago she started this uh, montagnana violin model and uh, usually montagnana everybody think, think uh, about cello no everybody makes a montagnana cello no or strada or montagnana but she made a violin and it sounds great, I mean, mm -hmm. and people likes and now just order to Sofia, oh, Sofia, please uh, give me a Montagnana, which she names after the bridges of, uh, of Venice. Uh, mm -hmm. Yes, because Montagnana was from Venice, so I, I give all to my Montagnana's violin, the, each one a name of a bridge of uh, Flo uh, Venice. And I paint also a little bridge uh, up on the, the bottom, so it's really something unique. I like that idea.
What was the most unusual, one of the more unusual deals or violin sales that you made that uh, had something going on in it that just was a little out of the ordinary? And we are we are building a quartet, uh, but of violins, uh, from the smallest one, uh, which uh, the, this young lady or the mother just ordered was a one eighth, one quarter, one quarter yeah, which uh, I I made it was a copy of this uh, pochette violin called La Fontaine by Stradivari, and um, I made the half size, yeah. and the Lapo is making now the three quarter, and my father will make the full size with the same wood and the same design mm, no no different different one he i i made the uh, old stradivari no, no the no, three no. quarter is based on an old violin we have in our collection from the grandfather hmm. the half size was made uh, was based on a model um, we reduced the violin of Anne sophie mutter because we thought it was nice that uh, the young lady was playing a violin owned by a very famous musician lady musician and uh, my violin was, uh, I think, this reproduction of this uh, small Stradivari, which I think was it's, it's marvelous. And uh, um, I like to build instruments after, uh, say, an original mold or whatever, an original idea. And I wanted to do this um, this effort I built all the small mouth or the templates. Uh, and my dad, uh, we still haven't decided. Uh, the model uh, will take some years. <laughs> yes, maybe when she will, the girl, she will be bigger enough to play full size. She maybe she can try different models, and then she can tell us which one she she prefer. And my father can make. So she's going to be playing them all the way through yes. each stage. Yes. That's that's wonderful. Yeah, we're already at stage almost three, 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 <laughs> three out of four. Three out of four. Definitely the sound of Florence <laughs> to the American ear. And we, when we bought this place, it was the quiet street <laughs> in Florence. Then they changed the, how do you say, the traffic. And then now it's not anymore the quiet street. So. Mm. Oh, oh yeah. so you, you made the shop here thinking it'd be nice and quiet. Yeah, and then it they was, changed. It was. It was. Nice Nobody was coming in this street. Oh, that's interesting. And then because all the traffic was behind the Duomo. And then they close the area, so it's now only walking, and they put all here, everything here. Hopefully in a hundred years they will move up. <laughs> You'll be in the old city and they'll move them further out. Yeah, the traffic <laughs> will move further. How important is your playing music? And, and tell me just a little bit about what you play, and then how important is that in this entire life that you live? Do you use your playing to show people what the instruments can do, or does it keep you passionate about it, the playing? Sofia plays the violin, and since she plays better than me, I play the cello, she can sell the instruments while she plays. I, I don't play so well the cello, so I'm just enjoying it. And uh... no, But I think playing the instruments, of course, we are violin makers, so we are not musicians. You can be both well. So, but we can play. And when we have a musician in front of us trying our instruments, we can understand what he's talking about. So that's, I think, the most important thing on playing the violin or the cello. So you have that to be you, a can, a you can understand the musician. You have to be a good listener, let's say like this one. I think listener. You have to be able to understand the, the sound, how it gets out, what, what the musician is telling you. and. Uh, yeah, always have to um, 
listen to different musicians and then to, to just have your own idea because musicians have different idea about sound and uh, they, ha they can have two uh, opinion, different opinion about the same violin. And this is uh, from one, one part, one point of the, uh, it's good because uh, if a violin is not loved by a musician, it's loved by another one. So mm. you Sometimes still can. Sometimes when I, I hear a musician playing, and the way he plays, I, I know which violin of us he will prefer because our violin has different sound. So as the way he plays, I say, oh, okay, he will buy Lapos or okay, he will buy Darius. <laughs> That's funny. And do you name almost all your instruments? Yeah, I name all my, maybe because I'm, I'm a mother. So <laughs> <laughs> I feel very, <laughs> so I, all the instruments from the first one, I give the name and I write the name uh, inside the upper block. And also I make photos and I have the album with all the photos of my son. <laughs> and you call them sons or their daughters Yeah, too? son and daughter. <laughs> I have a. I started uh, after copying Sophia to name instruments after after horses, after uh, mythological horses. I say. Now but I started it's from nice the because when people uh, musician buy your instrument, it's something for the life. I mean, so they they really call the instruments with the name I gave. So and then they write me, oh, Ranuncolo is playing very well, or with Numa, I'm enjoying so much. So it's fun because they talk like a person of the instruments when they write me, and so and I, I remember immediately which was the instrument. I like that a lot. I've talked to one other person who's just begun to name their instruments because they knew another violin maker but who did that. Me. <laughs> <laughs> and Paolo, he he also uh, gives name to the cellos, to his cellos, of the river that are in the area where he was born, in the, the Apennine Mountains. The valley. The valley. The valley. Th that was how, how, how long ago? Or sometimes... Five years ago, no, three, three years ago, I think he started. Because he, he said uh, he was named uh, cellos, his cellos, no? About uh, following the river of his uh, of his village or his area, and he said because oh, I'm getting old, I'm getting tired, I don't want to build more cello. So uh, his his village it won't be so many rivers now. But then he finished all the rivers like and after. And there was just one. <laughs> no, yeah, I have to tell this story. It's funny yeah, yeah. because it's, so cool. <laughs> yeah. it's okay. It's, funny. it's uh, called Diaterna, this river, Diaterna, and it's a river. Yeah, because the same area. I, I think the people when I read the name, go on internet and look at the river. Because Where they, is? Uh, you go yeah. Google and you yeah. put the Aterna. Yeah. And if images, you put the Aterna images, you, you, you see many naked people. Because it's a river where they go... Nudist. Uh, Nudist. Nudist. <laughs> so Naturism. It, Naturism. So Paolo said, okay, no, it's better if I don't give this name to Marcello. You were talking about your horses, naming them after horses. Uh, so the, the famous horse, and I'm, I'm drawing a blank, but the famous horse of Alexander the Great. I have to see in my notes uh, the name. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, um, what's his name, Matopoulos, or it has a, we'll find that one, it won't be in the interview. But that's a very famous, of okay, course, yeah, a very famous horse is, is Alexander the Great's horse. Okay, yes. and, uh, and a wonderful horse in America would be, mythological horse, horse named Traveler. Probably. And Traveler was the horse that Robert E. Lee, the general for the Southern armies during the Civil War, a very famous general, mm -hmm. that was his horse, Traveler, and it's quite famous in America. Oh, okay, good. 
Yeah. Well, that's a, and that's a nice uh, name a, for a violin a or cello because yeah. they do travel. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a Sudista horse eh? from the south. Eh? Yes. So I should say. Confederate. Confederate. Georgia. So Georgia. Yeah, absolutely. They'll buy it in, in America. <laughs> it's south. Don't offer us. Atlanta. Hey, that's good. Yeah, Virginia. Don't offer us. Virginia can be. Oh, Virginia, definitely. No. He's from Virginia. Okay, ah. so. Rob, so like Philadelphia, no. Robert E. Lee. To Fred Oster, no, in Philadelphia. Oster. Will not be acceptable. <laughs> politically acceptable. Yeah. Like, I, we don't know anyone making a Silvio Berlusconi violin in America. <laughs> Hopefully no, not. No. Hopefully not. <laughs> I wrote about him in a book I did just recently. Uh, but that's a whole other story. Well, this has been delightful. Um, anything else, again, uh, about that you feel strongly you would want to say about the current state of, of the violin family of instruments in the world? You know, there is this whole large money thing behind, you know, making, especially the old violins, very so expensive that players can't really play them yeah, or you, own them. You were saying before about uh, the, um, the relationship, how it's going uh, with the uh, modern violins uh, now that are much, uh, it's, you say the golden age of modern violins, it's just in this year. That, that's true. We have a, a huge knowledge, a huge sharing of information uh, and the market just spread out uh, very, very, it's a, it's a big market now also with China that opens uh, not only exporting his uh, cheap instrument also importing our instruments in China uh, new generation of uh, rich people are coming and they let their children play the instrument uh, and that's very very good uh, for us and um, Oh, that's the bell tower of... Uh, yes, that's in Florence a, we still have bells. Bells. 12 o'clock. <laughs> Lunchtime. Lunchtime. <laughs> and, um, and so we... Uh, as, a, as a modern maker, as a contemporary makers, we are very happy also that the price of, uh, let's say, the, the so-called high-end instruments are going so, so high because uh, they're no longer affordable by musician. A musician can start... Uh, thinking about, oh, maybe I don't have enough money to buy, you know. Let's buy a new one looking buy, old. Let's <laughs> buy, no, new one looking old. New one look sounding <laughs> like a, like an old, because at, at the end, uh, talking about price, it's not that uh, if my violin is worth uh, how much? A hundred times, a thousand times less than a Stradivari, it sounds a thousand times less. It's, it doesn't know. I have in front of my bench uh, a small uh, title of an article that it's written in Italian, but the, the musician does no longer, could no longer recognize the Strad sound, no? And I have it there, so when a musician comes here, or maybe somebody who really just want to lose time and say, well, the Stradivari sounds bad here, there, I shall look at a newspaper. Musician, they don't understand anything about sound, they could not recognize, it's yeah. really hard. And, uh, and as I told before, there's not uh, really a thousand time difference uh, about sound. Uh. Well, I think that gets into this area of, you mentioned the mythological horses. There's something mythological about this whole association. And people are, are reaching for something that can, probably can never be found. It's part of some, something the soul seems to be searching for, the idea that you'll find a Stradivari violin in someone's attic or at a flea market. Yeah, it's true. I mean, that, I'm, I'm not saying that the Stradivari doesn't sound uh, like a modern instrument or they sound worse or better, but they are obviously 
top instruments played by top soloists that which they are they sounds great and they can uh, stand in front of an orchestra and their sound just carries on uh, uh, against all the other instruments that's probably the main reason why musician chooses those instruments now because they they just have uh, some overtones or the capacity to just stand out uh, uh, in front of all the others but they are those are maybe a handful of instruments and then I'll, there are all the other, uh, also by Strad, which are not worth million uh, or tens million, but they're worth uh, much less. Why? Because their sound or the condition is uh, not good. And I think somehow, particularly with the violin, among all the other instruments, there still seems to be this um, power or this attraction or this idea that the, this violin can make you touch this other world you know, the beautiful performance. It, it has a sacredness, it almost religious quality to it. And these names, like Stradivari and Guarneri, among some people are like you're saying, Saint Stradivari, Saint Guarneri. There's, there's a sense that just being around them. So musicians will advertise their shows saying, I will be playing this instrument. It's not that necessarily it's going to sound better. In fact, it might not even sound better. These are old instruments that have been played a long time. Some of them are tired, as somebody said, as instruments. They've been repaired so many times. Uh, but uh, this, people are playing to something that people are looking for in the violin. And, uh, and I think that probably associating with your violins, you know, is this idea of this is a Vittori violin. And someday, down the road, my great-grandchildren will be so proud to own this what will over time become a sacred object. Well, that's hopefully, but we are not dealing with the future, we're dealing with the present, no? And in our little present, what we are doing here is we are fighting our little world against, uh, the, as you say, the sacred uh, violin, which are now, let's say, made in, in Cremona, no? Um, we are tiny, tiny little uh, business compared to all the businesses going on in, in Cremona, but what our what our um, uh, weapons our weapons it's not the name yes it's important but for some people it's Cremona it's much much more important it's like talking with the Stradivari fighting against Stradivari it's almost unfightable no so the name it's important but at a certain point uh, what we are fighting is with the sound the so, quality the quality and the, also the materials we are using the wood that we use for our instruments. Because we have the spruce, the very antique spruce that only we have. So that's something we can really make new instruments with antique wood. And, and it's something that Paolo found and we, we take it very, I don't know how to say, prezioso, precious. I think so. The, uh my father, he made a cello yes, with uh, the wood that nobody <laughs> will yeah. use it. Yes, yes. And he sold it the first day in Frankfurt. The, yeah. the first instrument sold, I mean, in all the fair was his cello. Yeah. And uh, the, the people now is like the sound, wanted the sound. And uh, we work for make good sound. And Dario, he played the cello, try my cello, and we uh, have a good opinion. And this is a... And uh, I think so the make better and better. I'm not happy. I want to make better in the future. And uh, and I remember my father. He never happy of the violin when he finished. 
He said, why? It's nice. He never happy. Me too. I'm not happy. When I finish one instrument, I want to begin and make another because I want to make better. Uh, and now it's better. But I make, I want to make the, the perfect, the, the, the uh, astrale, celestiale, and the, but now it's possible. But I want to find better and better. Very well said. See, to me, I, I would think there's a, almost a magical element for violin and cello and viola to be made in Florence rather than Cremona in the sense that there's such physical beauty and such history here in this, uh, in this city. That, um, but again, I'm, I'm of that, that group of people who believe that there's something in us called the soul and, and we sometimes transmit that somehow. So when you finished a violin, does some part of you, very small part of you, go I into agree. that instrument? I agree. I agree with you. Yeah, because some, sometimes we talk with friends and they say, no, it's the measure, you have to measure, and then with all this electronic uh, stuff. But it's something different. We, we are working like in the past, and so and, and the result is it's different, and it's not only measures. And sometimes we don't know how can be so it's something really special the, the violin how can play so beautifully and it's many many things all together that makes at the end the, the, and then also i think the most beautiful part of our work is that when we finish the instruments and we sell it so i mean people pay us but they are happy because we we give happiness to people because they can be happy playing something that we made and that's I think the most beautiful thing, because we are making a job that makes people happy. The best uh, email I receive in my life is from one Japanese. He buy my cello and he write me, your cello give me the, the strong for to live. Mi dà la forza di vivere. Take the power for, of living. And this is beautiful, incredible. Probably this person is a sick, probably and the cello help. And this for me is very good satisfaction. Well, we can't top that. Thank you very much. It's been a real pleasure. Sorry for my English. Thank you for listening to Rosin the Bow, an audio journey through the world of the violin family. Rosin the Bow is produced by Joe and Paula McHugh in the studios of the Raven Radio Theater. Our theme music was arranged and performed by the string quartet, The Fretless. For more information about the Rosin the Bow project and to listen to additional podcasts, please visit our website, rosinthebow.org. And let me leave you now with a quote from Mark Twain about the city of Florence. This is the fairest picture on our planet, the most enchanting to look upon, the most satisfying to the eye and the spirit. To see the sun sink down, drowned on his pink and purple and golden floods, and overwhelm Florence with tides of color that make all the sharp lines dim and faint, and turn the solid city to a city of dreams, 
is a sight to stir the coldest nature and make a sympathetic one drunk with ecstasy. <laughs>